Welcome to a special edition of the Wolf Whistle podcast, the podcast which interviews and celebrates the former players of our great club. We've got Jim McCallyog on this evening. Jim is a, he's a good friend of the show. As we actually, a funny story, Jim was our 33rd podcast. We're now at 101, by the way. Jim was our 33rd. Um, there is a bit of a story behind it. I did ring Jim one morning and we did the podcast an hour long. We had a great, great, great chat. And then I found out there was a bit of a glitch with, with the program I was using and it didn't record any of it. So, Jim, we had to go through it all again, didn't we? Yeah, it was good fun. It was good fun, Jason. Yeah, good evening, Jason. Yeah, nice to hear from you. Yeah, it was good. I really enjoyed it, uh, Jason. You're, you're an, an easy guy to be interviewed by. Oh, well, that means a lot, Jim, because you had me that day for two hours. Poor you. <laughs> but... <laughs> Jim McCallough, absolute Wolves legend, 210 appearances for the club, 48 goals between 1969 and 1974. So just before we talk about um, the uh, the show that you got coming up, Jim, I mean, I've just looked at that statistic, 210 appearances, 48 goals. I mean, for you, you was a real goal-scoring midfielder, weren't you, Jim? Yeah, that was what I enjoyed, um, Jason. I, I think he... Probably nowadays, you, you'd probably, uh, I wouldn't be a number seven, I would be a number ten. Yes. Although, although back then, number seven always kind of meant that you were playing on the wing, but I never played on the wing for Wolves. I was always in midfield, uh, Jason, but uh, I liked midfield because you were always involved in the game. Yeah. And uh, obviously, you had to keep your fitness levels up, but... Um, big reason for me going to the Wolves was because of the midfield, i.e. Mickey Bailey, who was captain of Wolves, yes. and Peter Knowles. I was looking forward to playing uh, with these two guys. And, uh, yeah, midfield was always my position in the Wolves team. Oh, brilliant, Jim. I mean, you, you've mentioned a couple of players there. For yourself, how much do you think you'd be worth in today's market? Because Wolves signed you... In 1969, for the, the price of the sum of £70,000. I mean, what do you think you'd be worth today, Jim? I've <laughs> no idea, Jason. <laughs> uh, uh, I wouldn't like to think about it. The, the, you know, it's just one of them things. Football's moved on. Yes. Uh, I'm still uh, an avid uh, fan of football. Me and my good lady, we have a, um, season tickets at Celtic Football Club. My wife's a, a Celtic uh, supporter. So we go to all the home matches. So I, I love watching football, especially live football, Jason. I mean, what's interesting, Jim, and I, once again, this is another stat, and I don't think I've ever asked you this before. Um, ten caps for Scotland, one goal. We're going to talk about that a bit later because you tell us who your goal's against. But... You you actually never played any professional football in Scotland, did you, Jim? No, uh, I got into trouble, Jason, when I first went back to Scotland in 2007. And, and just as a joke, people were coming up to me and they were saying, um, what team did you play for in Scotland? Uh, keep a straight face. And, and I would say I wasn't that bad. 
you can see the smoke coming out there. He was in a, I did it a couple or three times, but then Debbie, Debbie said to me, Jim, I, I don't think it's a good idea. It's annoying. It's annoying football supporters in Scotland, so stop it. So I stopped it from then on, Jason. But it was just for a laugh, you know. But it's true, Jason. I, I never played in uh, professionally uh, for a Scottish team. I, I went to England when I was 15, and, and I was in England and all my football career and I loved it the places I was at the clubs were, were extra special they still are uh, Jason and they've all invited me back for for when I um, when I wrote my autobiography so I'm delighted about that well Jim I've got a copy of your book Wembley Wins Wembley Wows fantastic read very very interesting story I mean if you look at your career 1963, you signed for Chelsea. Chelsea, Sheffield Wednesday. I mean, you got to an FA Cup final with Sheffield Wednesday in 1966. Not only did you get there, you actually scored. Um, you lost 3-2 to Everton. Um, but, I mean, what's it like as a young man, you, you're three years into your professional career, to score in an FA Cup final at Wembley? Oh, it's what dreams are made of, um, Jason. Uh, thoroughly, um, thoroughly enjoyed scoring a goal. And at that time, Everton, who we were playing in the final, they were the Bank of England club. They they were sponsored by the Pools, um, Vernons, and Littlewoods. So I think their collective um, team outlay was something like about four hundred and forty thousand. Yeah. Whereas Sheffield Wednesday, the team I'd gone to, I was the on, only uh, outlay, uh, Jason, really? and that was thirty-seven and a half thousand. But I was nineteen, and that was at that time uh, a British record fee for a teenager. So. I'm very proud of that, Jason, and I was always conscious of it throughout my career. And uh, I, I always pushed myself, always motivated myself uh, through things like that. It was it was a wonderful uh, accolade for myself. Oh, Jim, absolutely. I mean, we're going to come on to, to Wolves in a minute, but talking about FA Cup finals, 10 years later for, from when you played in the FA Cup final in 66, you made it again. This time, 1976 FA Cup final, um, you provided the assist for Bobby Stokes, who scored the only goal of the game in a 1-0 win. So, the question now, what's it like to play in an FA Cup final and win one? I mean, that's huge. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, obviously, I missed the League Cup final with uh, with the Wolves yes. against Manchester City. I, I'd love to have played in that, but sadly, me and Bill McGarry had fallen out big style. Um, but to play in that game for Southampton, uh, you could get six to one at the bookies. Uh, for for us to beat Manchester United that day, and uh, I I think it was a great effort on behalf of all my teammates. We had a good team at Southampton, uh, and of course we had uh, Peter Osgood uh, and Mickey Shannon up front. Yes. So I was the guy trying to supply the passes for these guys. But the, the thing was on the day, it was wonderful that the pass I did supply to Bobby Stokes, who was a, a, a local boy. And that was uh, obviously the, the biggest thing in Bobby's career. And it couldn't have happened to a, a nicer guy that he scored the winning goal from, from a through ball from myself, uh, Jason. Oh. So we were, we were both quite happy that night. I, I think we had a few beers that night, Jason. Through a pain, eh? <laughs> I, I, should, I should hope you did, Jim. I mean... 
Well, another um, bit of a statistic, obviously, that 1-0 win against Man United, you'd, you'd literally, only a year previously, left Man United for Southampton. I mean, what's it like to, to, to go back to your old club? I'm sure you've gone to, to Man United to win trophies. Then, to line up against them for Southampton, I bet your old teammates are ribbing you. Southampton were clearly the underdogs. It must have put a bit more fire in your belly, Jim. Oh, definitely. There's no two ways about it. But as a professional, you play for the team that you're with, uh, Jason. I, I'm always of the. Um, I, I think that if you you don't respect scoring goals or laying on goals um, against your old teams, I, I just don't see that being right, Jason. Because the team that you're at is paying your wages, and yes. also the guys you're with. They're your teammates, and you should be doing everything um, to, to to win the game. It wasn't the um, Denny Sour Grapes. It was uh, the reason being that I had played in a losing cup final, and, and certainly I wanted to be on a, a winning cup final. Yes. Myself, personally, I thought we had a great chance. I thought for a quarter of an hour, if we could hold them, then the longer the game went on, the more I fancied Southampton. I mean, for you, Jim, you said like playing against your former team. Some players, I mean, I'm sure you, you've scored against a former team in the past. Some players refuse to celebrate. Some players, you know, do ridiculous celebrations. Where, where do you sit on that? If you did, say, for example, you know, you scored against Wolves or Man U, would you celebrate it? Oh, yeah, definitely. There's no two ways about it. And I did. I did score against Wolves when I, I came back with Southampton. Well, thanks for that. Uh, and I uh, <laughs> mauling you, and I certainly celebrated the goal. Um, I, I did it against all my other teams, Sheffield Wednesday, Manchester United. Um, so... You know that that was just uh, pro being professional, really, and and being true to the fans that were now supporting you. Yeah, well, you're exactly right, Jim. Now, you played and captained. Uh, you know, w w you know. Listen to all the listeners. This is a real legend, captain in the 1972 UEFA Cup final, home and away in a two-legged final, <coughs> an all <coughs> all British two-legged final, well, all English two-legged final versus Spurs. Um, Jim, we lost on aggregate the, the, the first game um, at Molyneux. Wolves won, Spurs 2. You scored. I mean, let's talk about that game first. Martin Chivers got two for Spurs. To get to the UEFA Cup final is a massive achievement. You'd scored in the quarterfinal away at Juventus. Was, you know, you, you surely you must have... We had a great run to the final. You must have been going into that with so much confidence, Jim. Yeah, I think I was... Um... Jason, because we had a good team. Yes. The, the only thing really was that the, the skipper was out, Mickey Bailey was out, yeah. but certainly Danny Hegan uh, on his day, Danny was as good as anybody in the team. So Danny didn't let us down at all. Danny, Danny was was very good, but it was a bit um, sad for 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 Mickey yes. because, like I said, he, he was the captain. Um, but it was great for Wolves. Um, the, the fans got behind us. Um, it, it was just, it was very hard to explain because uh, the game at Molyneux, 
we we lost two one, but we were certainly the better team, and yeah. we pressed the, the the whole game. But but things weren't happening. But Martin Chivers certainly had the Indian sign on us because he he did the business at, at Molyneux. One of his goals, I, I wasn't too happy about. Uh, the, I think that was the first one, a long ball into our box, and and, and nobody cleared it, and uh, Chivers got ahead of and and that was their first goal and Chivers' first goal but his second goal we could maybe be excused a wee bit for that because he, he caught in and hit it from 25 yards and it, it flew past Lofty I, I don't think anybody's seen where it went because he, he was a good striker of a ball was Martin Chivers but like I said um, he had a bit of a sign on us uh, but we, we lost 2-1 that night, but we still didn't think we were out of it because we were a very dangerous team away from home. Um, so I was still confident as captain that we could still beat uh, Spurs at, at White Hart Lane, uh, Jason. I mean, the away leg, it was one all. You know, we didn't disgrace ourselves by any stretch. We went there and... You know, it must be so frustrating. Dave Wagstaff got the goal. It must be so frustrating when you've had such a good run and you get to the final and you've got a chance over two legs and, and you know, you don't do it. It must be so frustrating, Jim. Yes, that's part of football, Jason. Like I, I say in my book, football's very up and down and... You know, on a Saturday, you're, you're a hero and on, on a Tuesday or a Wednesday night, you can have a really bad game and you don't know why, but that, that is the beauty of football. Uh, the, the bounce of a ball, um, you know, somebody um, making a mistake, that, that's why we all enjoy football because you never know um, how it's going to finish until the final whistle yes. and uh, as Sir Alex Ferguson has proved uh, with his Fergie time uh, yes. scoring so many late goals uh, you have to play for the till the referee blows the whistle or, or uh, and that is it Jason um, but football's a wonderful uh, industry um, I, I certainly recommend it to any young players coming up uh, to take uh, to take part in it, enjoy themselves. Um, obviously, the girls are coming to prominence very yes. well, and, and why not? So, yeah, get there, get into football. It's a fantastic career, but be, be prepared for downs and, and ups, and, uh, you know, you have to take some things on the chin. Oh, you certainly do. That that, that second leg... Um... Lofty tells a great story. You know, you've you've said quite rightly, Martin Chivers scored from twenty five yards, and it's actually fifty years, um, fifty years since since the final now. And Lofty still jokes to this day that he's still going for the ball. Yeah, fifty years on, he's still diving through the air to get that. Um, Bless him. I mean, you, you've talked through their goals, Jim. Uh, I mean, listen, I'll be honest with you. I wasn't at the match. I wasn't even born at that point. But for you, what was your goal like? Well, what happened was we, we got a free kick. And in the confusion, uh, Spurs were um, starting to line up a wall. And I, I could see the what was going on. I shouted to, to Danny Egan to pass it to me down the left-hand side and we took a quick free kick and when we took the quick free kick I let fly and, and as it happened it, it went through the players hit 
uh, Pat Jennings on his his left heel and, and ended up in the back of the net. So I was quite happy with it, but we caught them on the hop. We, we had... The referee had given us uh, the nod that we could play, and we played a quick free kick. And I thought it was uh, it was quick thinking on our part, um, Jason. Yes. And it, it certainly caught them on the hop, and that gave us a, a little bit more of getting back into the game. But for, unfortunately for us, uh, it, it wasn't enough, and in the end, sadly, we lost 2-1. Now, you also scored in the quarter-final at Juventus. I mean, that must have been a... a Firstly, a difficult place to go, but once again, to score there against such a great team, what an accolade, Jim. Yeah, they, they, they were the Italian league, uh, they were the Italian champions, uh, sorry, they were top of the Italian league at the time. Yeah. But obviously, the year before, they, they, they maybe come in second or third uh, and therefore qualified for the UEFA Cup. Yes. Um, but they, they were a, a big team and, and the the people that were behind Juventus were, were the people that do the Fiat cars, the Agnelli yes. family. And... Um, they they put a lot of money into Juventus and they, they certainly had a lot of star players down through the years. Some great players, in, including John Charles, who, who everybody knew in, in Great Britain because of his um, uh, his appearances for, for Wales, either yes. centre-forward or centre-half. Big gentle giant and, and he was a big hero over in Turin. But that night, uh, we were 1-0 down. Uh, we come in at half-time, and Bill McGarry says we're giving them a wee bit too much um, too much appreciation, so now let's get stuck into them and let's get moving forward. And that's exactly what we did. And uh, I must admit, that was probably one of my better goals for Wolves because when the ball went in the box and Derek headed it back, which, uh, towards myself, I hit it on the volley and uh, I, I knew as soon as I hit it, it was in the bottom corner and, and I just ran over to our, our band of supporters. I think there was 300 of them, bless them. That was all that they would let in or that was all that could actually be there for the game. So I celebrated with the crowd, which was nice. Oh, Jim, absolutely, absolutely fantastic memories, bless you. Now, there's lots of good memories. We, you, you alluded to it earlier. So, Wolves got to the, 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 uh, the League Cup final, played Manchester City. For you, that must have been pretty frustrating, Jim. You know, you'd done the business in, in, in the UEFA Cup, scoring goals along the way. Yes, we lost in the final. You have alluded to it, so I will ask you. You said you had a falling out with McGarry. So, really, what was the falling out over? And two, how disappointing <laughs> was it to miss the final? If you can tell us, Jim, and how, how disappointing yeah. was it to miss the final? Yeah, what happened is he dropped me. <laughs> I had, uh, to be honest, uh, Jason, I had never been dropped from a football team in my life. <laughs> I was when when I was with Bill McGarry at Wolves, I, I would be probably about twenty four, twenty five then. Yeah. Um, I, I think the the dropping of me really hurt. But the other thing that hurt was that he never told me. He just named the team in a hotel room and uh, we played Everton that afternoon. And it, we never spoke really from then until uh, I was nearly transferred to Aston Villa. So we never spoke uh, for two months. We passed each other by, which was awful sad because yes. um, I, I, when Mickey Bailey wasn't there, uh, I, was, I was his captain. 
I, and also Bill McGarry paid out a lot of money for me uh, to to come to the Wolves. So it was just sad, uh, but that's the way uh, the way it is. I had a lot of respect for him uh, as a manager uh, and his thoughts on football, but as a person, it um, left a lot to be desired. Well, do you know what? A few people have said that, Jim, and that's not you speaking out of turn. You know, obviously, as a professional, you're disappointed not to be picked and playing naturally. And I think this is where the title of your book, Wembley Wins, Wembley Woes, come from. Now, considering yeah, definitely. You, you're the proud Scot. <laughs> the Woes the being, uh, being, certainly when we lost to Sheffield uh, Wednesday to Everton, and, and also my, myself having to, to watch the game with Manchester City, but... Fair play to the lads. The lads won the game. Yes. They deserved to win the game. And uh, I, I was thrilled for the team and, and the guys that I'd played football with. Uh, but that that was really the beginning of the end for me because shortly after that, uh, Bill McGarry uh, uh, agreed to let me go. But he wouldn't let me go up until then. So I suppose at the back of my mind, uh, I thought I've no chance of playing in the League Cup final. But if anybody should get injured, uh, I could usually do something on a big occasion, Jason. And then yes. I thought, well, I might have a chance of sneaking in if somebody gets injured. But it wasn't to be. Uh, but it was a great victory for the boys and uh, for the team that, that had been together really for four or five years um, we certainly deserved to, won, to win something and, and the League Cup was uh, was a good win for us Oh absolutely I mean I don't know if I've ever asked you this Jim so obviously you played for Sheffield Wednesday in, in the FA Cup final you played uh, for, for Southampton Obviously, you was at Wolves during the the um, the League Cup final run, etc., and subsequently the final and the UEFA Cup final. Have you kept all your medals? And did you get one for the um, for the League Cup final, although you didn't play in it? Yeah, we got a, a tankard. Yes, uh, Jason. a tankard. That's right. I yeah. didn't give you a medal for that. It, it was a a tankard, which I, I thought was a wee bit. Um, well, it could have been nicer, really. But yeah, being a medal, um, of course. You know, whatever you get presented with, you know that that's the way it, way it was. But yes. obviously, the the FA Cup it's a lovely medal. Even the the runners up medal is a gold medal as well. But my FA Cup medals, yeah, definitely. Uh, and and the, the medal for the, the UEFA Cup finals is silver one, but it's a lovely medal, yeah. So yeah, there were there were trophies that that you know you can. Um, you can treasure and, and yes. think about uh, how you win them, how you won them in the, the days gone by, and uh, yeah, the the, the lovely, um, lovely things to keep. Oh, absolutely! Now, as proud as you are of that fantastic career, it doesn't give you any greater prouder moment than playing for your country. Ten caps for Scotland. Now you scored as well for Scotland. One goal. I don't want to ask you who it was against, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> but you got to tell me, I know you are. <laughs> well, uh, as you know, Jason, uh, you know, my, my ambitions was firstly to be a footballer yes. uh, and, and to play professional. And, and my, my greatest burning ambition was to play for my country. And, and it couldn't have come at a, 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 in a bigger game. Uh, what happened to me that day was, you know, it was Roy the Rovers stuff really 
Um, but to play against such a, a great team that England were back then, and of course they'd, they'd only they'd won the, the World Cup in '66. Um, that you know they they deserve to win it. I, yes. I was happy to to support England because my way of thinking was it can only be for the good of the game. Of course, and uh, I, I I certainly think that was the case. It, it helped to uh, fire the game even more than than you know what it actually was. Um, but it, it was a great day um, and, and to be enjoyed by everybody in, in England. But for to play for your country against England back then, it was a big thing because every year Scotland played England. One year uh, Scotland would be at Hamden, the following year it would be at Wembley. But when I got picked, it was at Wembley and... Um, I'd played the year before in the FA Cup final and I'd vowed to myself after the game walking up the tunnel that I'd get back to, to Wembley uh, as soon as I could. Yes. And it certainly wouldn't be for the, the one to try and that I, I would get back to Wembley. And of course it came along and um, the, the bonuses were uh, I was playing with, with guys that, uh, that played for Scotland who, who were world-class players, a couple of the boys, uh, Dennis Law and Jim Baxter. Yeah. And there was the guys in the team that had played in the European Cup final. And, and when Celtic became the first team to, to win the European Cup in the UK. So we had a lot of great players there. Uh, I, I think the, the English press were, were, were teasing the, the Scottish press and, and saying that, that you know, that it won't be a game, it'll just be a, a, a case of uh, Scotland turning up. But of course, um, we had too many good players for that, Jason. And yes. We certainly were the better team on the day and, and we deserved to win. England got an injury, Big Jack, but Big Jack kept on uh, as a centre forward and he was a nuisance the, the rest <laughs> of the game and he actually managed to score with his left foot. So uh, Big Jack did okay, but back then you couldn't have substitutes. So that that was the way the football was. Flipping but we enough. certainly enjoyed the day and, and the night was, was even better. Oh, absolutely. I mean, talk us through the goal, Jim. Um, you know, scoring against England at Wembley. Yeah, the, it was late on in the game and I could see little Billy Brenner running down the left-hand side uh, towards the, the, the tunnel end, uh, which the tunnel was behind the goal then. Yes. And uh, I thought Billy's just running down, just trying to uh, waste time and run the clock down. But then I seen there was, there was quite a bit of space in front of me and I could see Bobby Lennox uh, running as well. So I chased after Bobby Lennox and Bobby got the ball from Billy and Bobby squared it to myself. I took the ball in my stride and I played a one-two with Willie Wallace and I could see Bobby Moore and Gordon Banks <laughs> trying to, to get me before I, I hit the ball but all I could think of was to hit it as hard as I possibly could and, and as near um, as near to the goal as was possible and I blasted it and the next thing Bobby and uh, Bobby Moore and Gordon Banks were, were on the ground and, and the ball was in the net. I mean, and I went uh, I went to the left because I knew my dad was behind the goal on the left hand side 
and I was waving up to the, the heavens, really, because I knew my dad was up there somewhere. Wow. But the greatest thing for me uh, then, Jason, was the first person to come and give me a hug was, was my football idol, Dennis Law. Ugh. So, like I said, it was a Royal Rover stuff. I mean, it just doesn't get any better. I mean, you've just mentioned, arguably, two of the greatest players in, in England's history. Of course, the great goalkeeper, Gordon Banks, and England's only World Cup winning captain, Bobby Moore, and, and you've mentioned those. Another interesting one, you, you, Frank Munro, you played with at the Wolves, Scottish international like yourself. Did you ever play with uh, Frank for Scotland, Jim? Play with? Uh, Frank Munro. Yes, I played with Frank, yeah. Yeah, I did. Frank was our centre half when I was at Wolves, but I never actually played in the Scotland team with him. Is that what you said? Yes, Jason? sorry. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I, I, I was just w obviously working it out, and I was just looking at the time era, and I was, I was trying to think: did would you have played with Frank? So you didn't actually get to play for Scotland with him, Jim? No, Frank. When Frank came to Wolves, Frank was a midfield player. Yes, and, and it was Bill McGarry that, that moved Frank back to to centre half, and what a stroke that was because Frank. Was was very skillful, but because he was a big guy, he, he couldn't get about the field as, as quick as um, midfield players needed to do. So moving Frank back, it, it was easy for Frank because he could control the ball, he could see everything in front of him, and and of course down through the years, as, as the Wolves fans and and his, his teammates, including myself, would tell you, Frank was a great player for Wolves. Oh. Absolutely, and you mentioned another great player um, who I believe you did play with, Peter Knowles. Now, yes. Peter, um, we all know the story, gave up the game to, to become a Jehovah's Witness, and you know, he stayed true to that, never played professional football again. And to the listeners, I've contacted Peter on numerous occasions with letters. I even sent him a copy of my book. Tried everything to get, yeah, tried everything to get him on the podcast, Jim, and he's not as forthcoming as you, my friend. So he, he, he's no, never replied. Well, and listen, uh, like you said, all respect to Peter because he yes. he, he, he he stuck by his principles. Uh, we certainly missed him as a team because when he walked when he walked out and mauling you that that Saturday afternoon, um, we were top of the first division, and uh, uh, you know there was every chance that we we would get even more honours uh, at the end of the season with Peter in the team. But his choice and, and good luck to him and, and his good lady. And uh, uh, I hope he's well. Oh. The last time, sadly, I seen him was at Frank Monroe's uh, funeral. Oh, well, that, yeah, that, so that's the only time I've seen P uh, Peter from when he left Wolves. But there's no doubt in my mind, uh, Jason, that Peter would have played for England. Oh, I mean, just just when 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 Peter announced he was he was retiring, I mean, you must have been massively shocked, Jim. Oh yeah, I mean, my first thoughts were I'm I'm going to go and talk to him. Yeah, of course. But but the thing thing was, I thought no, just hold on a bit. Uh, I didn't know him that well because I'd only played ten games with Peter from the beginning of the season. Um, and uh, I thought, no, this Derek's there. Derek was a great lad, Derek Duggan. And I thought Derek Duggan will talk to him. Yes. And, and so would the manager, Bill McGarry. Uh, but it, it just didn't happen. And I thought, I'll, I'll just keep my nose out of it. And uh, perhaps someday I'll see Peter. But uh, up until Frank's funeral, I never seen Peter. Oh, so, 
I mean, yeah. for, for Wolves fans that are listening, Wolves actually kept his um, registration until 1982 in the hope that he'd come back. He, he never did. Um, he was no, also no. He was also. We just, we just all wonder if he got a rise each time. <laughs> yeah, but possibly. Yeah. Mickey McGarry wasn't giving him enough money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it must have been that. Um, I mean, Peter come from a great footballing family, uh, the brother yeah. of obviously the, the great Cyril Knowles. But listen, the Wolves midfield at that time, Jim, yourself, Steve Daly, Kenny Ebit, we've mentioned Peter Knowles, Mike Bailey. I mean, that was an incredible team, wasn't it, Jim? Yeah, Steve and, and Kenny were, were yet to break through, really, uh, Jason. They they broke through, uh, Kenny broke through the, the following year. Yes. And, and Steve, who, who's younger still, Steve broke through um, sometime around about halfway through that. Yes. But the the thing was, Steve, uh, Steve had got in the team in the, the semi-finals and scored a, a wonderful goal against uh, Ferenc Farris. Yes, yes, yes. So Steve is on the cusp of getting in the team, but the, the wonderful thing, uh, the Wolves then, we had such good young talent coming up, as in um, Kenny, as in John Richards, as in Steve Daly, as in Alan Sunderland, as in John McCall. These were all young boys that were coming in and not costing the club anything. Yes. Uh, I think Kenny, maybe there was a small fee for Kenny from Bradford Park Avenue, or I think that was the team he came from. I think but it was something like 6,000 quid, that, Jim. I mean, um, it was just pennies. Gary hadn't spent a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, I think think the Kenny bit fee, I, I, if I remember right, it was about 6,000 quid. I know it was, was actually yeah. pennies. And Steve Daly's goal against Ferenc Varos, I believe it was the first attack of the game, wasn't it, Jim? It was, yeah. And Steve was dead cool. He, he just, uh, the, the goalkeeper palmed it out and he just kept his, kept his cool and just pushed it into the net. I think we, we had to play Alan Sunderland that night at right back. Okay. Yeah, because we, we, we didn't have a big squad. So, like I said, the young boys were, were coming through and, and, and Bill McGarry was probably thinking, well, I could buy players, but all these wonderful young players are coming through. So I, I'll save the club a, a bit of money. And uh, maybe that was what he was thinking. But like I said, Steve played that day. Alan Sunderland actually crossed it over and the goalie dropped it, and uh, Steve Daly, who was playing in place of Dave Wagstaff, uh, pushed it into the net, very cool and calm. Oh, brilliant. Now, on the subject of Steve Daly, you're going to be back in the Midlands very soon, meeting up with Steve Daly. So, Wolves fans, this is a must-out for your diary. Friday, the 11th of November, at WV1 at the Molyneux, the WV1 bar at the Molyneux. Friday, the 11th of November, 6.30pm, Jim's... Going to be there with a lot of former teammates um, with your book, Wembley Wins, Wembley Woes. You're going to be signing copies of your book. Um, Jim, so Friday 11th of November, I take it you're looking forward to it. So who's going to be coming on the night? The, at the moment, this, uh, I've asked most of the players, but yes. I, I'm waiting uh, for the OKs. But Steve has definitely said he, he's coming, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. The, the other two that I've uh, had word from is John McCall and Derek Parkin. Uh, John and Derek, 
fantastic. The the time they got in the the, the team, they 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 stayed together, and and they're certainly legends uh, at Wolverhampton Wanderers for the oh. consistency in the games that that they played over X amount of years, Jason. And not only that, the the two lovely guys. There's there's no edge on them at all. The the brilliant guys. So at the moment, the, the, them two and Steve are, are definitely coming. I'm waiting for um, some more uh, confirmations. Yeah. So uh, look out. I'll, I'll be keeping everybody in touch. Uh, I hope they can all come uh, on the night. It's pay on the door. Yes. Uh, cash or, or card accepted. There, there will be some memorabilia about. Yeah. And, and hopefully um, we'll have a wonderful Wolves night. And uh, we'll talk to the lads about um, what they thought about the UEFA Cup final. Uh, and, and that would be interesting for myself as well. Oh, Jim, absolutely. And then two days later, you're at the Copthorne Hotel in, in Dudley, Briley Hill, 10am till 4pm. There's a memorabilia fair down there. You've got copies of your book there again. So I'll take it that's going to be a busy weekend for you, Jim. Yes, it's going to be a great uh, weekend because the guests will include Dennis Mortimer, uh, Aston Villa skipper in the yep. European Cup winning uh, side, uh, Dave Bennett, who, like myself, is an FA Cup winner. He yep. is time came in 1987 yeah Coventry and there's uh, a West Bromwich Albion legend Bob Taylor who's going to be there yeah and like I said before Jason uh, Roy of the Rovers with his creator legendary artist Brilliant. and I didn't know that was on it so I'm just reading it here so oh, I've fantastic. just been talking about Roy of the Rovers stuff so It'd be nice to meet this guy and, and 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 see how it all happened. Oh, fantastic! And yourself, Jim. Obviously, I've dialed into to sunny Scotland. You're at a bed and breakfast now called called Langside. I, I keep promising I'm going to get up there. Um, obviously, when I, I originally interviewed you, we we called the podcast the man for the big occasion. I did speak to you. Obviously, you was at the B and B. I promised to come up. Then lockdown struck. Then I had two kids. I'm not making excuses. <laughs> It's never ending, Jim, I tell you. I'm, I'm not making excuses. I'll, I'll look forward to, to meeting you, Jason, again um, yes. when, when I come down to Wolverhampton. And, and I'm sure you'll be able to fit in a, a couple of days with you and a good lady oh. and your family. And we we'll look forward to seeing you. Absolutely, because last B &B, time... The B&B, we love it. We oh, enjoy yes, go on. It. And uh, any of the Wolves players, uh, Wolves supporters, you're more than welcome to come down and see me and uh, my wife, Debbie. Yes, and that's Langside. And whereabouts in Scotland is it, Jim? It's Langside, and it's in a place called Fenwick, which is in Ayrshire, F-E-N-W-I-C-K, yeah. in Ayrshire. It's about five miles from Kilmarnock. And uh, it, it's a lovely area, and uh, we're in a field on our own, so it's nice and peaceful. And uh, if there's any families coming, there's, there's three beaches. There's one at Air, there's one at Trun, one at Prestwick, and there's a lot going on. You're only 20 minutes from Glasgow and an hour from Edinburgh. And if there's any golfers out there, uh, Jason, which I, I'm not. Well, I'm not uh, neither, mate. Don't worry of, about that. Lots of golf courses that they can uh, they can play at. Act and actually, Jim, it just reminded me, um, I was very, very fortunate to spend three hours in the car with you not so long back because we, uh, the London Wolves 60th anniversary dinner, the flipping, there was a train strike, wasn't there, Jim? 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, and, and me and Debbie were stuck down there in, in London and, and you kindly gave us a lift to Wolverhampton, getting us a bit nearer home. That's and then it. eventually that, that night, um, Jason, we got home, I think it was about half past 12 at night. <laughs> but, you know, it was a wonderful evening with the London Wolves. It was. Stuart, Stuart who, who, who's the chairman there, wonderful guy, um, Big, big Wolves uh, fan, and uh, it really was a good evening. And yourself, you were on top form, Jason. Oh, thanks, I was very, very impressed with how you handled the evening. And it was also nice for myself because I hadn't seen Bobby Gould in a oh, long, yeah, Bobby long Gould. time. So Bobby Gould was there as well. So it was great to, to talk to Bobby again. He, he's a lovely man and he's his lovely wife. Yes. Well, Jim, thanks for your kind words. The cheque is in the post. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't you worry about that. I'll uh, sort you out. So just a quick reminder to the listeners. It's a, it's a night you must go to. Jim's book, I've got it. It's absolutely fantastic. Wembley wins, Wembley woes. He's been all over the country with it to all his former clubs. It's sold so, so well. He's still got just a few copies left. So that's Friday, the 11th of November, 6.30pm at Molyneux, WV1. And uh, you can bring uh, a cash or card to get your book. And I'll tell you what now, Jim has got time for everyone. So, Jim, if there's any fans that turn up, you'll, you'll talk to them all about your career, won't you, Jim? Yeah, love to be a pleasure. Absolutely brilliant, Jim. Well, thank you once again for your time today on the Wolf Whistle podcast. We love having you on the show, and you're welcome back anytime. Thank you very much, Jason. It's kind to be on, and uh, take care of you and your family. Thanks, Jim. Cheers, mate.